What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Hope you're all doing well out there in these extremely unusual times. Uh, hope you're safe. Hope you're staying uh, physically and mentally fit somehow. Uh, my guest today is Didi Taihutu. You probably heard in 2017 or later um, about a guy who from the Netherlands who sold all of his uh, assets, sold his house, his cars, his businesses, packed up his family, took all the proceeds from uh, basically selling off his life, put it all into Bitcoin, and uh, hopped in a motorhome and just started proselytizing for Bitcoin. Uh, it was covered by all the major uh, media outlets at the time and, and still is in many ways. Uh, and his name is Didi Taihutu. And uh, he has the aptly named Bitcoin family. So since that time, they've been traveling around the world, um, speaking at conferences, uh, promoting Bitcoin. And uh, I was introduced to him. I saw the article at the time. I thought it was an extremely bold move. I was impressed that his wife and his family were on board at the time. And uh, I recently, when I was speaking with uh, Daniel Prince on the Once Bitten podcast, he said that Didi was his first guest. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'd love, uh, love the chance to speak with him. I've always wondered about that guy. And so uh, we, he, he helped me put it together and uh, we recorded a chat a few days ago. Uh, we talked about, of course, the current uh, situation around the coronavirus and Didi's feelings on that and then a bit about his background and you know how he came to make those decisions and what the experience has been like for his family. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about ayahuasca and psychedelics and then just you know what this, um, these unusual circumstances are revealing about um, you know people's opinions in this space, and uh, you know we were talking about how it's kind of revealing uh, what people's true uh, thoughts and feelings and opinions might be. Um, what now that the kind of the rubber has, has is meeting the road, as it were, and uh, it's not just about you know uh, getting rich or you know pumping up uh, Bitcoin or crypto on Twitter. And these kind of fundamental reasons why many of us are involved in this space are being, um, you know, are being spotlighted in what's going on, and uh, we all have to kind of determine uh, where we fall on the spectrum of potential solutions and approaches to what's going on. So, anyways, um, great conversation. Didi's a super cool guy, and really appreciate the time he gave me to uh, to have a chat. So, hope you enjoy. All right, man, let's just get started. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing really good. Yeah. You're in, Co you're you're in Copenhagen? Copenhagen, uh, lockdown in paradise, quarantine, but still able to eat, swim, go to the beach and uh, enjoy the beautiful island. It's a good place to be, uh, to be locked down. Have they not closed the beaches yet? No, no, not at all. Um, Thailand, um, you know, yeah, you know Thailand. Bangkok is really busy, and I think they closed down a lot in uh, in Bangkok. Um, one second, I need to put on the power. Yeah. Um, so need, um, Bangkok is a full close down. Some very touristy areas in Thailand also. Copangan is a quiet island. Not many tourists at the moment. So. Um, I think every province handles the, 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 the flu or the virus, however you want to call it, um, right. differently. Yeah, my, I, lived in Thailand, I lived in Phuket last year for the whole year. And they my girlfriend, closed down. Yeah, my girlfriend's still there. And um, 
they close down all the beaches and I, I don't think they can leave the island. I think the air and the roads and the boats are all stopped. Um, Phuket, I saw a message about Phuket. Yeah, they just closed down yesterday or the day before, I think. Um, yeah. Kopangan yeah. still not. Um, also not. Uh, lucky. We are lucky till now, but again, we live on the beach at the moment. I have a very small, but beautiful house on the beach here. So even if I'm locked down, you know, I just make the positive um, out of everything. So that we'll yeah. find some beautiful games or whatever and uh, watch the sunset, sunrise, and listen to the and, sea. Yeah, it's a, it's a, man, it's a beautiful place. I'm, a, I'm in rural, rural Canada right now, which is also beautiful as well, but not quite as, uh, not quite as inviting, let's say, as the beach and the sun. Um, Didi, you just mentioned the, the virus or the, the flu, as you said. What's your opinion on all of this? Uh, my opinion. Oh my God. Um, do, how long do we have? <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> as long as I want. So my opinion about the virus is, is very clear. Now I, I'm very sorry for all the people that now are dying. I'm very sorry for all the families that now are losing their loved ones. Um, it's, it's terrible what is happening. Um, but on the other hand, I'm also shocked by the amount of people that didn't give a fuck about all the people that have been dying the last decade in third world countries because of viruses, diarrhea, or what any, what, or even out of hunger. They were like dying 5,000 people a day. And now the whole world, the whole Western world starts to freak out because 35,000 people have died in the last five months. So yes, I feel very sorry, but on the other hand, I'm also like, okay, maybe we are taught a lesson and maybe we now understand how those people and those developing countries have been feeling for the last decade. Without even having a hospital, we are complaining of a shortage of beds and an overflow of IC. Those people don't have hospitals. They don't have healthcare. They are not even paid thousand dollars a month now to, to you know <laughs> to, to keep alive. So if you look at it that way, if you zoom out, just like in crypto, sometimes you need to zoom out to see the big picture. And the big picture is that we grew into being a very selfish, egocentric uh, population that is now taught that life can change in a split of a second and that you feel what other families have been feeling like many years. And so I don't understand why we are freaking out like this. I don't understand, oh, that's the dog. I don't understand why the lockdowns are done. I don't understand why we are killing our economies. I don't understand that people now start to believe the media and the governments of which they have been complaining about the last decades, you know? We, as, as governments and as community, we knew that we had an aging problem all over the world. And if you know you have an aging problem, you know that in a couple of years, we need more healthcare. So why have they cut down on healthcare on, in every country the last 10 years? Why didn't, they get, didn't the healthcare uh, uh, employees get more salary? Why did they get less salary? Why, why did they close down like a lot of facilities, but I just, you can sum up so many things that it, that it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense anymore to me. And again, 
I feel very sad for all the people. Very sad. I feel, you know, I could be just enjoying my life daily on the beach here, zipping my Bicardi Coke with a coconut. Instead of this, I'm, I'm working six hours a day, tweeting, messaging, answering people because I give, a, I give, I care. Yeah. I care, but I care also for people. I hope just, I hope that we all learn this lesson that if we have conquered this virus, like we have conquered all the virus all over the world, and we have learned the lesson now that we don't turn back into these selfish wealth accumulating monsters and start to care about the people that are living this life for decades already. Mm-hmm. You know, why? I, I just, it's all. Yeah. And then people, people, I tell this, they all answer with the same answer. They all say, yeah, Didi, but um, the contagiousness of the virus and you can create a huge parabolic growth. And, uh, you know, yeah. But also, if the, if the virus spreads more and more and more, we also get more immune about it. That's how we have handled and tackled viruses like since the 1900s, you know? If there is a virus, you get it, and you get immune. And some people get really sick, and some people get a little bit less sick. Um, but still, I just don't, I, I, I don't see the logic. 150,000 people have been dying daily since the 1st of January till now. 150,000 people died daily. 14.3 million people died in the last 90 days. And now the world freaks out about 30,000 people that died in five months. How sad it is, it just doesn't sum up with me. For me, there is probably more behind it or it is a, a huge economical crisis cover up, or it is whatever conspiracy people believe in. You know, I'm not the most conspiracy type guy, I must be honest, but this is too obvious for me. This is so obvious that I'm, I, I'm, I'm baffled by the, by the decisions that are being made. I just tweeted something, the largest condom factory of the world shut down. They produced the Durex condom. Uh-huh. Do people understand that we are shutting down this largest condom factory of the world for 35 people, thousand people that have been dying the last five months? We shut down the biggest condom industry that prevents millions of people of being infected with AIDS, HIV, with STDs, all sicknesses where you can die of, even the flu. So why, why would you stop this huge industry well, while they are saving millions of people's lives every year? It doesn't yeah. sum up. It doesn't sum up. Sorry. I talk a yeah. lot, John. Sorry. I should have no, told no, you before. No, no. That's absolutely, it's absolutely fine. And look, Matt, it's one of those things. It's so hard to know the truth of something like this because, you know, most people aren't virologists. They don't know how these things work. But even if they did, as you said, you know, what is the correct response to something like this? And this has been, this dialogue has been happening on Twitter a bunch lately. And, you know, you've got the people that say, you know, how dare you, um, you know, question the way things have been handled. Of course, everybody should stay home in order to save these lives. But then the other hand, people are saying, well, one, at what cost? Both what financial cost, what economic cost? Because how many people will die and how much hardship will there be if econ- economies fail all over the world and continue to experience this hardship, which they 
very may well do. But the other thing is, is at what cost in terms of liberty and freedom? At what point will you say to the power structures in society, the state and the other authority bodies, I'm not willing to continue to concede ground in giving up freedom, whether you're trying to track my movements, whether you're telling me I have to stay home, whether you're telling me I can't see this person, can't do this, can't do that. At what point do we say, and as you pointed out, of course, any loss of life is a tragedy, absolutely, anywhere in the world. But at what point do we say that our compassion for that can't allow us to give away our individual rights and freedoms? And as a result of that, that means that people all over the world are going to have to reconsider the degree of responsibility they take for themselves in reducing their risk of certain things or in planning their life differently or in going about interacting in the world differently in order to be able to take that freedom and that responsibility so that you can't, so that you aren't subject to every single risk or threat that comes about. And so, you know, I know this is a much bigger conversation than is, is being played out in the media right now. And I don't expect we're automatically going to flip to a libertarian society or, and that everyone's going to automatically take responsibility for themselves. And that's how this should be handled. And, and I, yeah, I'm not really suggesting anything, but I, I agree with what you said in that, you know, tragedy happens all, you know, deaths are a part of living, right? That's just a part of being a human being in the world. And so many things threaten our survival on a daily basis. And are we going to allow those threats to limit the degree of freedom we experience as human beings? That's the question. That's exactly the question. And you know what the answer is? At the end, we can never win the discussion. Because, you know, this is the game they have been playing for so many years. I already can predict you what, what the answer and what the outcome will be. In my opinion, the outcome, if it is like really bad, if a lot of people will die, they will say, we told you, we told you. If less people will die than they projected, they will say, it's because we took the right decisions. Yeah. It, we flattened the curve. Yeah. They always is an agenda, and this agenda can play both ways for them. And, and, and you know, for me, I can get really mad about these things, but I just figured out, Yesterday, when I was swimming in the sea, I was like, man, did you just let it go? You know, uh, try to do what you can. Um, but this universe has took 13.8 billion years to develop in the way it developed. Who the fuck do I or you or whoever think that we can change this? Right. This is just happening. Accept it and make the best out of it. I don't think that we will have millions of people die because of this. I do know that last year 1.5 million people died of diarrhea. I do know 700,000 people died of HIV. So why would I, you know, why would I even discuss death on social media? Why is all the mass media discussing death? There is only one reason, creating fear. Mm -hmm. People that live in fear are easy, controllable people. That's how it works. You, people in fear are in shock. It's the same when you yeah. sleep in your bed, you wake up at night and you see this huge spider against the wall. You will, you will be in shock the first 10 seconds. You don't know what to do before you, <laughs> you come up with a plan. So, and in this time of shock, everything can happen. And I think now the world is in a huge shock wave, which, because nobody would have ever expected that a virus could have affected uh, 
like on, on this scale all, all, all our communities you know yeah all our businesses all that stuff so yeah i just oh, go ahead yeah i just decided you know I'm, I'm going to go with the flow i will see how it will develop and i will see if people start to look strange at me because i'm the one who's not uh, walking around with a mouthpiece you know maybe it's one of these science uh, fiction movies where uh, all the people come at you because you're the one without the mouthpiece you know maybe they are creating this social pressure maybe they are creating this social well, that's definitely um, that's definitely happening i mean it, it, it may be different where you are but here first of all you know make all this makes me think of the uh, fdr quote that says the only thing we have to fear is fear itself because I see so many people around here, you know, with, you know, incredibly high amounts of paranoia and fear. And that is one, not only what I was referencing before, it's, it's causing them to, without even a thought of, you know, what they're giving up in order to be quote unquote safe. It doesn't, you know, that allows them to completely avoid that question. But like you just said, I mean, it's turning, it's turning citizens into, into police. You know, people are, 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 and there's, and of course, you know, the state is erecting all these channels that you can call if you see someone outside their home, or if you see a business charging more for hand, hand sanitizer, if you see anybody doing anything they're not supposed to be, you, you, can, you can call the police on them, they can be charged, they can be put in jail, they can be fined. So it, it's, a, it's a crazy yeah, it's situation. It's crazy, but I would have never expected, just like you said, I would have never expected that so that such a big part of humanity was already in this in this uh, sheeple state. Let's let's call it like this. I thought we were with more people that were awake. You know, I thought people were awakening. I thought this is one of the reasons why even crypto crypto Twitter and crypto community started to grow because they wanted to disrupt and these decentralize not only the monetary system but also the government and everything and now i see those same people that were in for the revolution i see them trusting those people again that made them decide to go into bitcoin at the first place so i'm seeing that a lot too i'm seeing that a lot too but it you know the the thing is is we can have these political debates on twitter or online all we want the thing is the fact is is we need to go back to the roots of, like you just said, why we're into Bitcoin in the first place. And because we know that the system is not going to be changed by debate or by protest or by politics or anything like that. The, the system is only going to be changed by disrupting and disintermediating the power structure and taking the power back by means it can't be stopped. And so I think during these times, one, I think it will bring a lot more people into Bitcoin because I think they'll see the necessity of it. They'll, and they'll have a lot of time at home to watch videos and listen to podcasts and read books. But I think the, the best thing we can do is just continue to promote this thing and continue to make it more resilient, more easy to interact with so that, so that you know, little by little, we're chipping away at that system that has such a overt, like an overly powerful influence over everybody so there's no point in having these debates whether like oh you're a libertarian or you're a republican or you're a democrat do you agree with the shutdown or not because it doesn't matter none of, none of that stuff is going to change it the only thing that's going to change it is defunding it and creating an alternative system yeah but that's exactly what we should be doing and focusing on as as community you know now, now that's what i tell all the people in crypto now is the, the time to shine 
you know, yeah. now you should show people why Bitcoin is important. Because in Holland, you cannot pay with cash in the supermarkets at the moment anymore. ATM machines are often not working. And I hear more and more countries are asking their people not to pay with cash because of uh, the, the virus that can be on it. So yeah. this is the time and this is the moment to show people the power of this digital currency that will replace the cash. Uh, yeah, this is it's just, I, I'm a little bit sad to see that, that the yeah. community is not as um, strengthful as I thought it would be. But um, you know, what, what the hell, maybe they need it. Maybe they need to wake up a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe we need uh, some more people um, to suffer from this whole economical crisis uh, before that they will believe in, uh, in this new system. Um, it's, well, it's, it's, it's really difficult at the moment. As I'm sure you know, mate, most people don't change until they're, it's necessary that they change, until they're forced to change, until it's required. Because, you know, it seems to be a, a, our, our nature to desire comfort. You know, comfort is the thing that we seek the most and things that cause us to be uncomfortable will avoid until absolutely necessary. But I agree with you. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, I've said before, it's all fun and games to, you know, shit post on Twitter and talk about getting rich or number go up and your revolution and all that kind of stuff until it actually happens. And then you actually got to show if that's what you're really about or not. And as you're saying, I think a lot of people are showing that maybe they're not quite there yet. No, that, that I think now it shows that 80% of the community just is there to um, accumulate more wealth and to become filthy rich. And uh, th this is exactly not the reason why I went into Bitcoin. And um, this is also not what I support. You know, I support the decentralization of this currency and disrupting this monetary system. And if Bitcoin goes up or down, I, at the end, you know, now it's okay for me. I spend Bitcoin on a daily basis. So yeah, I'm sad when it goes down. Yes, I'm happy when it goes up. But in the end, this is not my goal. My goal is to eat and, and to live every day and to have other people get the same luxury we have. You know, spend money online or, or wherever or uh, without that it can be taken because that is what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. If, you see the, if, if you look into the far future now, I, I, really, I, I really believe that they are going to um, make people take uh, vaccinations and all that stuff. I really believe that people that are not going to be vaccinated can, cannot be insured anymore and all that stuff. So I, I really think this is just the start of this um, control state um, that, that they are creating. And as David Icke says it, he calls it uh, the hunger game state. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very afraid that, that people are not, um, awaken enough and that we will slowly turn into this kind of state uh, and then i hope i can find this beautiful island somewhere <laughs> where there's no control <laughs> of governments and i will can sit the rest of my life just zipping coconuts and, and fishing because i i am definitely not going to be forced and doing one of these things um, yeah yeah the i citadel. think more and more people yeah i will set it out the, those those citadels that keep you know that we keep talking about in in the Bitcoin community they can't come soon enough it seems yeah but uh, yeah it is but, we we kind of uh, glossed over the uh, the intro to to your background and I I think a lot of people have heard it before so you know but I for those people that haven't uh, can you just give me like the brief rundown of uh, you know how you got to where you are today and what the kind of you and the family story is for people that don't know. Okay, for the people that don't know, this is then the 1,270 times 
<laughs> I, I will keep it short this time. Uh, so I was a normal guy. Uh, grew up as a normal guy. Was a soccer player all my life. I had a beautiful family. And went to school. And then during my school, uh, finishing of my school, my mother died when she was 48 years old. You hear some sounds because the family is eating. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Uh, no problem. And so you, then my mother died when she was 48. And that made me want to change life. And I couldn't uh, cope with the feelings. So um, I became a workaholic and I built up my first companies and everything. And it took 12 years and it grew and I became materialistic and egoistic and very selfish. Uh, and I lost the connection with myself. Um, and at that point in 2014, my father called me with the message that he was diagnosed with cancer and had only one more year to live. So I was on top of the world at that point. I had my big house, my few cars and all that stuff. And uh, then you hear your father has almost only one more year to live. live. He was 60 years old. We went living back at my father's place as a family to take care of him, to help him. And then uh, a year later, he dies. So needed to arrange a lot of stuff. I, I was struck with a huge burnout and I decided to uh, sell my company and to start travel. Um, the world with my family for three months and to get a physical reset and uh, reset and physical and mental reset. <clears throat> and during this uh, reset period in Thailand, this, uh, my friend calls me that, you know, do you still have your Bitcoins and your Dogecoins? Because in this accumulating wealth period, I started to mine Bitcoins in 2013. Uh, I told him, yes, but I'm on the beach, man. I don't want to think about Bitcoin or money. I'm enjoying my kids uh, doing all kinds of stuff on the beach and I'm enjoying the sunset, my Bacardi Coke. Yeah. But in the evening, I did. I did check. And I saw Bitcoin going up a little bit again. And I saw the community more online. I saw more forums being created. And at that point, I just told my wife, um, we are very, very happy what we are doing at the moment. Um, we travel the world with two backpacks. Uh, we don't have luxury stuff. Uh, we are completely happy. Our kids are completely happy. What do you think about continuing this lifestyle and become a digital moment? We just fly home. We sell everything we have. We go all in Bitcoin and continue the life where we want to live. <clears throat> she, she, of course, had to think about it as well. So we had a, a conversation uh, more, but it took us not more than one week and we flew back and we sold our house for Bitcoins. We sold the cars for Bitcoins. We sold all the furniture for Bitcoins. We sold all the kids' toys, bikes, quads, motorbikes, everything for Bitcoins. I even took my pension fund. I took my savings. We took the kids' savings. We took all the money and we, um, you know, we bought Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin went up crazy. Uh, all the media flew at us because they were like, who the fuck sells everything he has for something which is multi-level marketing at that point. Right. So we bombed to the Bitcoin family. Uh, and meanwhile, we have been living solely with cryptocurrency for four years. Um, did about six documentaries now by J uh, Wall Street Journal, Channel News Asia, um, Arte, um, Vox, many more. Yes, I became a speaker about Bitcoin, blockchain, but also about mindset and life. This is what I love to do. I speak on, on, as keynote speaker on yeah. many events. We wrote a book and, you know, we just stepped into this roller coaster called the Bitcoin Live and it took us and we still are in for a few loopings, I think, before that we, uh, <laughs> we end this whole adventure. So this is the beginning of the story. And now um, yeah, the story just continues. I love it, man. I remember... I remember hearing about it, I think maybe in the summer or fall of 2017. Did it happen around that time? 
Is yeah, that when you yeah, sold everything? Yeah, so I remember hearing about it and thinking, one, like, damn, that's some conviction. And two, I was like, I fucking love that. That is awesome. Um, but when, so when you did that, you made that decision, and kudos to your wife and family for supporting that because, you know, a lot, a lot would, would, wouldn't. But um, when you did that, and then in December, the price mooned, what were the emotions at the time? Like, you know, what, what put, like, how did you feel? You just went all in and then two, three months later, you get like a 10x or more in your, in your wealth. What'd that feel like? Yeah, it feels uncomfortable right. because the reason we took the step is to minimize uh, our <laughs> lifestyle. So we wanted to right. become a minimalistic family. And, yeah. and at the same time, you're bombed through the media. So, so as a family, you're changing from a maximalist, egoistic to minimalist and sharing and caring. At the same time, the media comes to your family. So that there was a lot of changes at that point. And then at the same time, Bitcoin starts to explode. And, you know, and, and you get into the emotional roller coaster of Bitcoin, selling or hodling or selling or, you know. Um, but we made profit and we started to share profit with um, NGOs and poor people all over the world because that mm-hmm. is what we found that made us really happy to give to others as well. Um, so, yeah, it was euphoric. At one hand, because you were right, you took a good gamble, you felt, right. you know, we, we felt we didn't need to do it and we did it and, and it turned out okay. And on the other hand, you're still like, okay, but I still want to live in this crappy backpack place in Thailand on the beach. I don't want to buy a villa. I don't want to buy a new car. Um, yeah. So, no, yeah, then, then you search other things to do with it. So, um, and, and, and we also lost, of course, afterwards a few times at the drops and all that stuff because you. Right. We were a normal family. I was not a Bitcoin professional. I was not a, a trading professional. I was just a normal guy with his wife and children uh, changing life. Um, but it all turned out really good for us. And, and, and we still love this life. And uh, I think we will continue this life till another invention pops up. And, and if you feel to take that roller coaster, we will step in the other roller coaster. <laughs> and, you know, this, this is how life goes. And, uh, yeah. Do you still have just, the... Do you still have the, the camper van? Yeah, we still have a camper van. It's now parked in Sofia, Bulgaria. So last year we started to drive around the world. We wanted to drive around the world. That was the goal and to, uh, to, to pick up money in the rich countries and divide it in the poor countries. That was the sharing and scaring tour. And we cool. started it and it took uh, four or five months till we came into Bulgaria. And as a family, we just felt that we... Uh, that we needed to take like a break of two months because I've been we've been driving like thirty thousand kilometers, speaking all over the world, and flying to Las Vegas, and then in Barcelona, and then in Paris, and then in Turkey, and then in, so it was a busy six months. So it's, it's, we just said let's take a break for two months. We fly back, and we'll see what happens then again, and we drive further. Yeah, and in these two months, this Corona uh, flu thing starts, and. Uh, so again, you know, you can plan whatever you want. <laughs> it will change. Uh, right. So now we, we just accept this and we just live the life here um, and we make the best of it here. I'm building um, a really cool crypto community here. And we started the House of Dao with a few guys, um, which is really becoming very interested. The House of Dao is a digital nomad co-working, co-living space. And, and what we want to do here is we, we want to make Copangana a blockchain crypto community where startups uh, you know programmers uh, commercial people just come together live for a few months and create 
beautiful uh, dabs that will help to improve uh, the world, uh, the ecology, the life, and all the stuff around it. And it's called House of Dow, and I'm really excited about it. And this is what I'm I'm doing now. So it's it turned again into this new adventure, um, and 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 I love it. I love to do uh, to participate in the thing and uh, you know to create projects that can really um, do good for the whole whole of the, the whole world. That's awesome, man. Good for you. I, I, I was listening to a few other podcasts that you were on in preparation for this. And there was a couple of things that stuck out where I was like, man, you know, we're very similar on, on a couple of these things. One, you know, in summer of 2018, I bought a motor home and I traveled around Europe as well. And my idea was it wasn't Bitcoin focused, you know, but my idea was just I want to connect with interesting people and I want to sit down and record conversations with them. Uh, and then when I found out, you know, you decided that what your family was doing, I thought that was interesting. And then when you said, I think you were on the beach in Seminyak in Bali, when your friend called you about Bitcoin yeah. for the second time, right? <clears throat> and my first, I had learned about Bitcoin, but my first interaction with Bitcoin uh, was in Bali as well. Because in Seminyak, at the top of, like on the corner of the main road and one of the roads that goes down to the beaches is a Bitcoin like store where yeah. they, would, they would set you up with, they, you know, you could buy Bitcoin, they'd set you up with a wallet, all that kind of stuff. Did you see that place? Yeah, yeah, I know that place. Yeah, I know that place. Yeah, been there. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the third thing is, I've heard you talk about uh, ayahuasca before, and, you know, psychedelics have been a huge part of my development and a huge aspect of my intellectual curiosity for the last 15 years or so. Um, and in fact, during my trip in Europe in 2018, one of the stops was in Prague during the Beyond Psychedelics Conference, so I could interview a lot of the people that were there. Um, I see a lot of overlap and similarities between, you know, Bitcoin and the psychedelic phenomenon. You know, too many to get into, but one I think is, is the one that stands out the most to me, or two, one, so incredibly transformative. That's, you know, they both have that element. And then the other element is that most people in society uh, have such the, the degree the degree to which their perception is wrong about the thing is so vast you know so I think there's a huge misperception about uh, Bitcoin by most people that aren't you know involved in it and I think there's a mm -hmm. huge misperception about what psychedelics are but it's changing very rapidly and more and more people are just starting to ask in both domains what, what is this stuff all about? Why are these people interested in it? Like, why are they so passionate about it? So I just wanted to ask you what your, um, you know, interest uh, and experience has been with, I think you, you talked about ayahuasca before, but psychedelics yeah. in general, what, why, why is it uh, something meaningful to you? Oh my God. Yeah. That's a very good question. You know, if you, if you're stuck in the, in the, in the normal life in the, in like, let's, let's say like if you're stuck in running the hamster wheel 24 seven, you have never time to sit down and to think about life or think about yourself. And then the, the, the closest most people get is doing yoga and meditation, you know, and then you get, um, you get quiet and you can let some ideas pop up. And, um, but it, if you, if you run the hamster wheel as hard as I've been running it, I needed ayahuasca to escape <laughs> from the real life and, and to see really what was happening. You know, I, mm -hmm. the first time I took it because, is because I lost my mother and I couldn't cope with those feelings. So I, I ran into this very, um, on a very strange way when I was at a festival with my wife, it started raining 
And uh, because of the rain, I went into this uh, theater and in this theater, they, they showed a movie about Iboga. And Iboga, right. um, the movie was called uh, Sick Birds Die Easy. And that made me curious. And the, the week after, I was in my house and this guy comes to um, polish the floor and he tells me, wow, I had such a beautiful experience as ayahuasca. So I told him, is this the same as Iboga? He said, no, Iboga is the manly guy and ayahuasca is the, the friendly grandma. I said, hook me up. I want to do it. I want to try it. I want to see what it does. You know, um, I was an experimental guy. And uh, so that, why not? And then I did it the first time. And that was, uh, yeah, that was really mind blowing for me to see how the world is connected, how people are connected, how the whole universe is connected, but also all the insights I got because of ayahuasca. And, and I'm not saying it's a miracle, but I'm saying it's all stuff that's stuck in your head and that's, mm-hmm. or, or in your guts and that doesn't come up because of all the blockades you always have and that comes out with ayahuasca and that gives you a lot of insights in life in your own life and in, in, in the world and uh, for me it was like wow th- what is this how can everything be so clear after um, a cup of tea and, uh, <laughs> sleep and, and 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 sleeping you know i never needed to vomit I'm more a oh, shit wow. guy, so I need to go to the wow. toilet two times every session. But <laughs> that, that was not too far. That was more to dig That's to unique. Message. That's unique. Not to be, not to ever vomit. No, and I, uh, yeah, I, I really liked it, and um, I did it a few times, and I did many more things. Um, I think it brings you closer to a state we are not able to reach um, when we are just living life, you know, because mm-hmm. your head is full, your agenda is full. And yeah, you, you some, we are so, I think humanity has created such a distance from the inner self that they now need a tool to get reconnected to the inner self again a little bit. And I yeah. think ayahuasca is a beautiful product, but I, I believe all products from nature are, are good for this. Uh, so uh, yeah also weed everything what nature gives us is good so why 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 do you think it's forbidden we can't feel good (laughs) we can't be creative yeah i i agree that uh you know just the the act the process of growing up and living in the world has has probably cut us off from a lot of aspects of ourselves that we you know we lose or we become unfamiliar with and i think these substances and these experiences can you know, take down the wall of your identity for a period of time enough so that you can uh, get to the core of things. And that can be very unsettling, obviously, for some people, or for most people at the beginning of, of this. But as you learn to let go in order to go deeper and discover further, then the, um, as you said, the, the insights, the connection, the peace that can be derived from that experience is... Uh, ineffable impossible yeah, to articulate you can't explain people ask me please explain it so at that point i registered the domain ayahuasca for all.com uh, it's still mine and i, I put ah. the information about ayahuasca on this one and um, you know it's it's just something you can't explain you just need to do it it's uh, how do you feel how do you explain to somebody how it feels to be very drunk it's it's difficult you know it's difficult to give an emotional to explain an emotional feeling yeah and but that is what it does with your mind well it's like 
Yeah, well, and I saw from on your Twitter profile that um, your location is Earth or the Matrix. And to pull a quote from the Matrix, you know, <laughs> nobody can tell you what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I still have it on and I still don't understand what it is or, or <laughs> which one it is. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, we, we, maybe we see this as life. Maybe this is a dream. And maybe when we die, we wake up. You don't know. You don't know. It's a great mystery. It's a great yeah, it's mystery. A, it's beautiful to have this mystery. Yeah. So, Didi, what's, um, you know, you mentioned um, the co-working space that you're currently working on while you're in isolation. Um, any other, you know, projects or things that you think your unique, you know, because of the name recognition and, and publicity you've gotten and because of your situation, is there anything that you're, you know, you're finding that you need to devote your time to next or that you're, you know, in terms of what's most meaningful for you to try to push forward? At the moment, I'm focusing on building communities. So, you know, Blockchain Valley and Sofia in Bulgaria is one of them as well. And I just like the world to be... If we have, like, same-minded people living in communities that um, want to create new uh, decentral um, apps to improve the world, then I think in the whole you can um, grow grow a huge amount of people that you know that that stay connected with each other. So, for example, now I'm in Copenhagen. I want to stay here for a few months, and I want to build a project, or I want to support somebody else companies that's building a project. I stay here for a few months. Then I go to Bulgaria. There's Blockchain Valley where I can you know speak to same-minded people like you and me. Not only blockchain and Bitcoin, but also about life and about you know, the whole mind, body, and soul stuff. And you connect there again with people and you build and help each other, you know? You exchange value in a different way than just with um, physical cash or money. You, you, you exchange knowledge. And if you can build these kinds of communities all over the world, you kind of create Silicon Valley, but then largely, and you connect people all over the world that can decentralize their lifestyles by traveling from one spot to the other one. To the other, the other one, because let's be honest, you know, I think in, in five years' time, maybe 20% of the world will be digital nomads. You know, we're working from home, working online, or you're, you're an entrepreneur. So we need communities where these people can really focus on working, but also on enjoying life. And I think we, to connect all those people, it's, it's beautiful that I can support uh, House of Dow here, but also. Uh, blockchain Valley in Bulgaria and I'm just looking forward to find more of these projects that are doing this and at the same time I try to support a lot of projects that make it possible um, that simplify the use of Bitcoin so there's one project light.am I'm a supporter of and advisor of and they make it possible you send and receive Bitcoin by using um, Facebook Messenger or Telegram so you have this wallet there where your private keys are locked in so nobody can touch your wallet. So, and you can, everybody that has Facebook or an email address or a telephone number can just send and transact and buy and sell Bitcoins or Litecoins or Ethereum. Um, so I, 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 just, I just live this crypto life. I just try to support as much as possible projects and, and try to balance this with living a beautiful life with my family. Yeah. And speaking of your family, um, 
and it looks like a beautiful life when I, you know, when I go to your website and I see some of the photos and stuff, I'm sure, you know, like any life and like any family, there's ups and there's downs and there's struggles and there's things that we don't see through the lens of Instagram and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, particularly you have three daughters, right? Yeah. <laughs> how, how, you know, what, what are their thoughts? I'm sure they think, you know, this is, a, I'm sure they know this is a very unique uh, life, but you know, how are their thoughts as this goes on and progresses? You know, how do they feel about all this? Um, I don't know how they exactly feel. You know, you are right. It's a family life. Uh, people, kids are happy sometimes and not happy sometimes. It's the same as they would be at, at home. So this digital nomad life doesn't make it easier. It makes it, I think, even more complicated. Right. Um, my oldest daughter stands now across me. She is 14. Uh, come show your face. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, and, uh, you know, she, uh, she has other struggles, you know, she has social struggles. She wants to find friends everywhere uh, her age. There are not a lot mm -hmm. of families traveling with kids of our age. Um, yeah. and, but, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just like a normal life, only traveling. Um, yeah. And if you have problems internally in the family, it's just a little bit more easy when you are on the beach or watch a palm tree <laughs> or you're able to go into the sea. You know, right. it's, it's more easy. Um, education of the kids, we homeschool them. And at the same time, they do an online school. Um, which is really cool. I, I got to know this school. It's called Galileo. I got to know them in uh, Mallorca when I was speaking there. And this is an amazing uh, project. Um, kids are, uh, are able to just sell, sit down and say, okay, I want to learn this month. I want to learn the mathematics, uh, Indonesian less, uh, language, uh, star science uh, programming. And then... Right. Every day they check in for 30 minutes with a teacher and through a Zoom call with all classmates all over the world. And this teacher just guides them through what they want to know. You can use this app or you can use this website for it. And have you done your stuff? Did you do your homework? And they do presentations once a week and, and all that stuff. And so really cool to see that like homeschooling gets a new level. And, and I think this is one of the you know, examples of what uh, Corona is also che teaching us because every kid <laughs> now in Holland is being homeschooled. And I already see parents uh, tweeting and putting messages of, wow, my kids is just way more, way more happy at the moment. And it's excited right. to do school. And so this is what we do. Uh, and, uh, and also there, the, the kids are the same as at home. I don't want to do that today. I don't want to do it now. I don't want to do a presentation. And, you know, we just face the same problems we have in a, in a normal life um, yeah i just feel luxury that we um, and happy that we we are able to do it on the beach um i think yeah. i think that's a i mean that's awesome i love that uh that's you know what you're saying i think that's a silver lining with the coronavirus is that with all this the, the, the ways people are having to reorganize their life in order to just accommodate being at home a lot of people are going to see like, hey, wait a sec, you know, my kids are more engaged. They, they are able to choose what they learn. They're happier, you know, so I think a lot of change will come out of this. I mean, some good and some bad, of course, but, you know, you got to you got to look at the positive side of things. And I think that's going to be one of them. That is one of them. Another one is that people we are really maybe start to connect again with their families. 
you know. Right. Yeah, a lot of people will divorce as well, you know. We will order, we will have a baby boom, but also a divorce boom, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, for the ones that don't divorce, they will understand again, wow, how beautiful is it to just be at home, do your work online, and be connected to your family again, to see your kids really grow up, you know, which is also very important. That's why you chose to have kids, probably. 100%. Um, so these um, are the lessons we need to learn. I, I totally agree. Didi, I usually finish off the show with a few rapid fire questions. Do you have time to answer those? Yeah, cool. Do it. Yeah. So the first part is there, you know, you can answer them as long as or short as you want and you can say pass if you like. And then the last part is just a couple of word associations. So we'll get it kicked off. The first one is what is money? How do you define money? Money is an exchange of value. A lot of people in the world believe in, but which is the biggest scam ever. If you had to explain Bitcoin to a 10-year-old, what would you say? I guess you've done this, so. <laughs> that is real peer-to-peer -peer digital cash money that nobody can ever take from you. What does Bitcoin success or Bitcoin succeeding look, look like to you? Uh, mass adoption all over the world, uh, uh, children of five years old um, exchanging their allowance with uh, poor African kids um, that don't have the possibility of having a bank account, but do have the possibility of having a telephone or whatever. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's just entering this whole space, just starting to learn about all of this? One piece of advice would be step into this industry because you believe in the evolution of technology, the evolution of money, and not to become filthy rich of it. What's one movie or song that you think is most related to Bitcoin? Bob Marley, um, redemption song. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Love it. Can Bitcoin be stopped? If so, what is Bitcoin's biggest vulnerability? If not, why not? I don't think Bitcoin can ever be stopped. What is something you don't understand very well about Bitcoin or you'd like to study more about or study more on? I would love to study more in what way people think that Bitcoin is becoming less decentral because of and the mining, the centralization of the big miners. Um, I would love to investigate if this is really true because I don't really believe this is happening. What have you learned about yourself or how have you changed, um, if at all, as a result of learning about and interacting with Bitcoin? I think I could, I started to understand the real value of life because of Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin showed me um, that no matter if you're, in, like I'm all in Bitcoin, and no matter Bitcoin goes up or goes down, I'm still the same person. I still see the same birds to see my wife, my children. So I learned that money shouldn't influence your happiness. Right. Um, ballpark estimate of Bitcoin's price in five years time. Wow, five years time. <laughs> I hope it will be a million. 
<laughs> but I, I, I believe it will, in five years' time, it will be about 200K. What's one question that you'd like to see added to this list or you'd like to see, <clears throat> excuse me, other Bitcoiners or people in the space answer? I would love to ask other people in the space, why, why are you changing from a community that is, was supporting this revolution of disrupting the monetary system into a community that is um, very egocentric and just focused on accumulating wealth? Okay, last, uh, last section. So I'll just say a word, you tell me the first thing that pops into your head. That's, that's going to be very funny, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Democracy. Sorry? Democracy. Non-existent. The Lightning Network. <sighs> Needs to be proven. Government. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Human rights. Love it and needs to be decentralized. Violence. Terrible. Trump. Who? Trump. Grab him by the uh, pussy. <laughs> Ego. <laughs> Sorry? Ego. Uh, the thing I lost. FOMO. Life. Wealth. Not important. Overvalued. How do you say it in English? Yeah, that works. Privacy. Really important. Hate speech. Freedom of speech. Gold. Mars. Guns. <laughs> Uh, love. Revolution. Solution. Socialism. Admire. Family. Number one. Inequality. Sorry? Inequality. Needs, uh, inequality needs to disappear. Hell, as in heaven and hell. Hell. Curious. <laughs> Liberty. Um, the goal in life. Energy. One, one, one world. And Bitcoin. The disruption of the monetary system. Didi, um, first of all, thanks for doing this, man. I, uh, you know, I really appreciate it. And I just have a ton of respect for, you know, the balls it took to, you know, set out on the journey you set out on. And in particular, because you brought your family along with you and just, you know, the work that's required to do that and, and make it work and the life that you've constructed for your family. Got a ton of respect for you, man. So, uh, you know, thank you for doing what you do. Is there anywhere that you want to direct people to learn more about you or, or what you're up to? No, um, not at all. If, if you want to follow us, just Google the Bitcoin family or go to our Instagram, Twitter, or, um, 
Facebook, um, or just write us, you know, we have, um, all our things are public and we love to communicate with you guys and help you with, any, with everything. If it's setting up Bitcoin or it is uh, changing your life into this digital normal life, we have done it for four years and I think we know um, how it works. So if you need help, <laughs> contact me or buy our book. Oh, need, I need to chill our book. Oh shit, Didi, you need to be commercial a little more. We have a book. <laughs> you need to buy the book. All the secrets are in this book. <laughs> What's it called? I forget the name. Uh, the, the book is called as well, The Bitcoin Family. It is out in Dutch and in German and soon in English as well. It's also uh, on audible. So it's, it's uh, uh, but English is, it will take another two weeks, I think, before it will be out. Um, and the second book I'm writing at the moment. Um, the first book is about how we change life and how some quotes can help you with uh, living a new life. Like, for example, Fear will kill all your dreams. Um, we think if you live in fear, you will never follow your dreams. Yeah, good advice. So when, when do you think that book will be out? And the second book will be, the English book in two weeks. And the second and book will take... That'll be on year. Amazon? The, the English one will be on Amazon? Yeah, also on Amazon. Yeah, the German one is already on Amazon and the Dutch one as well. But the English one, um, yeah, took some time to get a good translation. Awesome. Well, look, man, I'll let you get back to your family and dinner and, and all that, uh, all that good stuff over there in Copenhagen. Cold dinner. Nice. Cold dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Thai food. Uh, yeah. The, the restaurants only do takeaway at the moment because of the lockdown. So yeah, it's Thai food. Yeah. I heard I'm jealous, man. I love the food over there. Spicy and delicious. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, thank you again. Be well. And uh, I look forward to connecting at some point in the future. Cool. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on the show. See you. All right, brother. Take care. Bye.